This is I Made a Biology Podcast Help Me Study, and today I'm covering topic 5.3, classification. Classification starts with the binomial system. This is a formal system by which all living species are classified, and it's also known as taxonomy. It was initially developed by a Swedish botanist named Linnaeus in 1735. The binomial system is extremely valuable because it allows for the identification and comparison of organisms based on their characteristics. It allows all organisms to be made named accordingly to a globally recognized scheme. So that means that different languages won't um, restrict someone from discussing or researching an organism because they have an internationally recognized name. It also helps to show how closely related organisms are because of whether they're in the same family or genus or species, etc. And lastly, it makes it easier to collect, sort, and group any information about organisms and species. The very first part of the binomial naming system are the domains of life. All living organisms are classified into three domains. Eukaryota, which is eukaryotic organisms that contain a membrane-bound nucleus. Archaea, which are prokaryotic cells that lack a nucleus, and eubacteria, prokaryotic cells lacking a nucleus and consisting of the common pathogenic forms. So that is eukaryota, archaea, and eubacteria, the three domains of life. Organisms are grouped according to a series of hierarchical taxa. The more taxa that organisms share, the more similar they are. So taxa are the different stages of the binomial system, and they are as follows. Kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. The genus and species is what makes up the binomial name. So that's the last two in the binomial system. And the first is the domain. So again, domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. Natural classification involves grouping organisms based on similarities first and then identifying their shared characteristics. According to this system, all members of a particular group would have a shared common ancestor. And this means that natural classification schemes can be used to predict characteristics shared by species within a group. However, a disadvantage is that they are highly mutable and they tend to change a lot because the mutations will change the characteristics of the organism. An advantage of it is that it identifies traits based on groupings rather than assigning groups based on traits. This means that it can be used to show an evolutionary relationship and that can be used to predict the characteristics that species share. According to this, each taxonomic level includes all species that would have evolved from a common ancestor. So species of the same genus would have a common genus ancestor and be more closely related than species of the same order. And this is because genus comes after order across all the taxonomic levels. Hence, organisms that have a lower taxa will share all of the taxa above them. So if they share the species, they're going to share the genus and the family and the order and the class. And if they share the class, then they'll share the phylum and the kingdom. But if they only share the kingdom, then that's all they will share and everything else will be different, meaning they're not closely related. Moving on to plant phyla. The kingdom plantae contains 12 phyla, and four of these are looked at more closely in this topic. These are bryophytes, philocenophytes, coniferophytes, and angiospermophytes. 
They can be differentiated across three main ideas, structures, vascularization, and reproduction. Bryophytes have no true leaves, roots, or stems. Philocenophytes have leaves, roots, and stems. Coniferophytes have leaves, roots, and stems as well. And angiospermophytes also have leaves, roots, and stems. So bryophytes are the only of these four that do not have true leaves, roots, or stems. For vascularization, bryophytes has none, while philocenophytes, coniferophytes, and angiospermophytes all have a present vascularization. Moving on to reproduction, bryophytes reproduce through the release of spores. Philocenophytes similarly reproduce with spores, while coniferophytes reproduce with seeds and cones, and angiospermophytes reproduce through seeds as well, but in fruits. Examples of a bryophyte are mosses, examples of a philocenophyte are ferns, examples of coniferophytes are conifers or the known pine trees, and an example of angiospermophytes are flowers. So in summary, the structures for philocenophytes, coniferophytes, and angiospermophytes, they all have leaves, roots, and stems, and they all have vascularization. Bryophytes does not have true leaves, roots, or stems, and it does not have vascularization. Then reproduction by spores is done by bryophytes and philocenophytes, and reproduction by seeds is done by coniferophytes and cones and angiospermophytes in fruits. Moving on to the animal phyla. The kingdom Animalia can be subdivided into two main groups, invertebrates and vertebrates. Invertebrates are organisms that lack a backbone. In this topic, six invertebrate phyla are looked at in more detail. All vertebrates belong to the phylum chordata, however, not all chordata are vertebrates. So that's just something to note. Continuing with the invertebrate phyla, there is periphera, nidaria, platyhelaminta, annelida, mollusca, and arthropoda. These can be differentiated across symmetry, digestion, and segmentation. Starting off with periphera, it is asymmetrical and does not have any digestion, meaning it has no mouth and no anus. It also has no segmentation, and an example of it is a sea sponge. Moving on to nidaria, this now has radial symmetry, incomplete digestion because it has a mouth but no anus, no segmentation, and an example is a jellyfish. Platyhelaminta has bilateral symmetry, as do all the following, so Annelida, Mollusca, and Arthropoda, all share bilateral symmetry. Platyhelaminta, however, does not have complete digestion. It is mouth without an anus. And then segmentation is also none. And an example of this would be a tapeworm. Annelida has bilateral symmetry, has complete digestion, as it has a mouth and an anus, shows segmentation, and an example is an earthworm. So that's an important difference. Platyhelminta is tapeworm and Annelida is earthworm. So not all worms are in the same phylum. Mollusca also has bilateral symmetry. It has complete digestion as well, mouth and anus, and it has non-visible segmentation. An example of this would be a snail. And lastly, Arthropoda has the same as Mollusca and Annelida with bilateral symmetry, a complete digestion, so mouth and an anus, segmentation, and an example is a spider.
So in summary, periphery has asymmetrical symmetry, while Nadera has radial symmetry, and all the rest have bilateral symmetry. Periphery has no digestion, while Nadaria and Platyhelaminta have incomplete digestion with a mouth but no anus, and all three periphera, Nadaria and Platyhelaminta, do not have segmentation. As you may have noticed, it goes from least complex to most complex. So if you're ever trying to remember this, remember that periphera and Nadaria are among the least complex, and Mollusca and Arthropoda are among the most complex. That's why those at the extremes are going to share more characteristics and features. Moving on to vertebrate classes. These include birds, mammals, amphibians, reptiles, and fish. And they are differentiated across the following features. Body covering, reproduction, breathing, and temperature. So the body covering of fish consists of scales made out of bony plates. Their reproduction is external and their breathing is done through gills and they are ectothermic organisms. The body covering of amphibians is moist skin. They also have external reproduction and they breathe through simple lungs via their skin. They're also ectothermic. Reptiles also have scales, except these are made out of keratin. Their reproduction is internal as they lay soft eggs and they have more complex lungs with extensive folding. However, they are also ectothermic. Birds, their body covering is of feathers. They also have internal reproduction as they lay hard eggs and they have even more complex lungs with bronchial tubes and on the contrary are endothermic. And lastly, mammals, they have hair and fur as their body covering. They are internal reproducers as they undergo live births. Their lungs have alveoli and they are endothermic. So in summary, Reproduction is external for fish and amphibians and internal for reptiles, birds, and mammals. Breathing is through gills for fish and simple lungs for amphibians, but more complex lungs for reptiles, birds, and mammals. And temperature is ectothermic for fish, amphibians, and reptiles, and endothermic for birds and mammals. The last skill in this topic is the construction of a dichotomous key. And this is simply a method of identification whereby groups of organisms are divided into categories repeatedly. It helps to simplify a group and it takes different features that they share and these will then be broken down into other features and you can show the relationships between different organisms. So that wraps up topic 5.3 classification.